Welcome to the book club that sure is not your mom's romance book club, but it is my mom's. I'm Ellen, and joining me as always is my mom. Hi, mom. How's it going? Hello, Ellen. It is going stupendously. Good. Stupendous. I I want you to come up with new adverbs or adjectives every single time we do that intro. I, I'm gonna have. I was sitting today thinking about what I could say. Yeah, I want and you I, to spend more time thinking about it. Went than to just my that. Empire Records quote of "You're a stupendous boss, Joe." <laughs> stupendous. Um, so today we're going to be talking about "Tempting Miss Allender" by Wendy Vela and the genre's rake problem. But first, Mom, what have you been reading? Helen, I've read a lot <laughs> the past few weeks. My husband's about ready to divorce me because <laughs> I am like totally checked out. I set mom um, to work this week. She did. Uh, I finished the, let's see if I can do this, Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society. Woo woo. And, <laughs> it's a mouthful. Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoyed it thoroughly. It's weird to read a non-romance genre when you've been immersed in romance books because you're like, where's the sex? What kind of book is this? <laughs> See, now you know how I feel. Like we're like talking a about caveman reading wall paintings. Um, <laughs> and then I read the three books in the series that we're going to be talking about today. Mm-hmm. So Duchess by Chance, Rescued by a Viscount, and then this one, The Tempting Miss Ellender. Those three. I read those uh-huh. three. And then, because I was warned by Ellen in advance, the next book that we're going to be reading required a lot of prep work. <laughs> <laughs> so I am now, because I hadn't read any of the Knitting in the Series books. Knitting, Knitting in, in the, the city, city series is what I meant mm-hmm. to say. And... um I'm Spoiler now... alert, we're going to be reading a knitting in the city <laughs> next time. And it's like the seventh book that we're going to be reading. Yeah. I hadn't read any of them. So I yeah. was like, okay. So I read the first one, the second one, and I'm like at 75% on the third book right now. Okay. Um, so... <laughs> you can't say anything about anything I've said to you about these books. <laughs> yeah. No. We'll, we'll save it for next time. For um, next time. But I, my reading list has, is uh, remarkably similar to yours, Mom. Uh, I read this, the Wendy Vela series, and then I've read about half of the Knitting in the City series, but I had some holes um, in throughout the series of what I had and hadn't read. Um, I had not read Friends Without Benefits or Love Hacked, um, so I read those two, um, as Mom can attest. I loved Friends Without Benefits. I kept texting her like, Mom, I'm obsessed with this book. I love them so much. Um, and Well, I've been the same way with Love Tact. It's a little yeah. depressing. <laughs> <laughs> How much this book is affecting me. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think I might have to have like a feature next week um, in like uh, uncomfortable text from Mom edition. <laughs> Penny Reed edition. What? What? What's uncomfortable? You're the one that got me reading these books. You've got to deal with what I put out there. Yeah. In fact, maybe we'll do that for our break segment is just reading reading mom texts that I get that are wholly inappropriate. I'm not sure. We need to discuss that because I'm not sure I'm on board with that. 
I was reading kind of an some... invasion of privacy. Privacy. <laughs> things that I text to my daughter, and now she's going to share it with everybody on. <laughs> well, podcast. now you can just know that any ones that you send me from here on out, I'll, I'll probably share in some way. Um, I was reading. They're going to be super too. intellectual from now on. <laughs> yeah, I bet. Sure, I'll believe it when I see it. Um, I was reading some to my brother last night, and he was uh, making a lot of noise, like "Oh gosh." <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> um, and then I just finished reading Beauty and the Mustache, um, which I have read before. That's the prequel of sorts to the Winston Brothers, but it's like book four in the Knitting in the City series. Um, Mom was catching up to me, so I needed to uh, to finish to finish that one. Um, and I'm predicting it now. Mom will like it greatly. Well, are there Winstons in it? <laughs> yes, there are. <laughs> and I know how you feel about them. I am a fan of Winstons. But I, well, I don't want to get off topic. We can save all this for next week. <laughs> okay. We'll just have a Penny Reed stack picks. It's going oh, to be a Reed Penny spectacular. Reed fest. Yeah. Um, okay, so today we're going to be talking about Tempting Miss Allender by Wendy Vela. It's the third book in her Regency Rakes series. Um, as we said, we read both of the preceding books uh, this week because, as we've discussed previously, we are series purists. Um, so that was mandatory to us. Um, well, while plus you- they were... They're all relatively short books. They were all right around 200 yeah, pages long. So they, they were, were pretty short. Like, not quite novellas, but just past the, like, novella cusp, I felt like. Um, and while you probably don't need to read the first book to get this one, um, I would definitely say that this one's aided by the second book in the series, right? Yeah. In fact, because I was looking at the um, description on... I don't know, my Kindle or something. And and um, down at the bottom it said, these books could each be read individually or as a yeah. series. And I'm like, I don't know that you necessarily could read them all individually because definitely the third one is very reliant on the second one. Mm-hmm. And even the first one because they come into play. Yeah, they know. come into play. But I would say like they don't refer to the first book plot as much as they do That's the true. second book plot. All right, so the back cover for... This third book reads, Seven years after her disastrous debut, Miss Patience Allender has reluctantly returned to society to chaperone her sister. No longer the meek, mild miss, she will never again allow a man to humiliate her. However, Patience's resolve is severely tested when she comes face to face with the very man who shattered her heart. Desperate for help when her family is thrust into danger, he is the only one she can turn to. But can she do so and keep her heart whole, or will he destroy her once again? Lord Matthew Belmont is stunned at the changes in his childhood friend. The once awkward young girl is now exquisitely beautiful, outspoken, and intelligent, and no longer wants anything to do with him. Aware of his past sins, Matthew now regrets them deeply and is determined to make amends. If prickly patience would just let him close enough to try. As patience flare, uh, as passion flares between them, Matthew is faced with the most crucial challenge of his life, putting the ghosts of the past to rest in order to build his future. So, Mom, what did you think about this book specifically? 
Well, honestly, when I was reading the second book, I thought, who is the third book going to be about? Because the only person in the second book that the third book could be about was Matthew. And Matthew was such a... Yeah, he was not he was not very likable in, in that second book. In the second book. And yeah. I thought, they can't write a book about him. He's such a douchebag. And he was pretty awful. And mm-hmm. I thought, he's got some redeeming to do. And... Uh, but he did. Yeah. <laughs> but he was like a different person in the third book than he because he was all charming and and you know teasing her and stuff and yeah. And in the second book, he was so honorary with his sister. Well, and in the third book, they definitely um, kind of explain away some of his douchebagginess um, from the second book in a way. Um, you know, he's. He's got some serious hang-ups with this, uh, with the death of his brother. He's very, he's still very, like, tortured by that. And, um, and it really affected his relationship with his sister, who is in the second book. Um, and so, like, I I felt like she did. And, you know, like, he wasn't a straight-up, like, villain or anything in the second book. He just made some decisions and was kind of... Made some poor decisions. Uh, yes, he did. But it wasn't like nothing that he could come back from, you know, he couldn't come back from. Well, he did redeem himself. He was a good yeah. guy in the third book. Yes, he was. Um, any other thoughts? What, what, what did you think of her? What did you think of? Well, I liked her. Um, some of these girls make stupid choices, I guess. Because this, his sister in the second book kind of bugged me in the same way that Patience kind of bugged me sometimes. I mean, mm-hmm. overall, I liked her. I liked the story. I liked the whole thing. But mm-hmm. um, just poor judgment choices in their eagerness to prove how independent they can be or in their eagerness to not let anyone else get hurt, which is really more the, you know, I don't want to let them get hurt. Um. Which I don't see. I, I saw that as a non-issue in this one. It's like, he's not going to hurt him. He's after you guys. By the yeah. way, there's a bad guy in the movie, in the movie, in the book. And um, he's after their family. He wants yes. to kill her brother. He wants specifically her- to kill her 11-year-old brother, which is, you know. Pretty awful. Yeah, pretty awful. I mean, um, he really was a bad guy. Um, he wanted to kill him so he would inherit the title. Yes, and the funds specifically, it felt like. Right, and he had tried multiple times already, and um, so she was determined to protect her brother, and Matthew kept trying to help her, and she's like, oh, I don't want to drag him into this. I don't want him to get hurt, and it's like, just let him take care of you. I don't understand this. (laughs) Well, and she was like, I mean... This is not to say that, like, single women cannot take care of their own families, uh, that they can't do that. But especially back then, like, it certainly would help to have, like, the power of a man with a title back then help you. And it was just like, homegirl, just let let him... Well, and just the fact that... um... He could at least, because she tried to go to the police before and the police didn't believe her. They thought she was being silly. There's, you know, he seemed like a nice guy and there was no way he was going to hurt her brother. But 
if a he was a Marquez, a Marquez, right? Who? The, sure that's yeah, yeah. Matthew uh, was. Yeah, Matthew. Yeah. If he had gone to the police and said, "Look, this is happening," then they probably wouldn't have just brushed him off. They probably would have followed through with it. And I mean, I don't think that's asking so much of him, and it probably wouldn't get him hurt. Yeah, I know. I I feel like I feel bad that I I was thinking about it. I feel like my um my main complaint with like all these books that we talk about is always that the girl bugged me. And I <laughs> and that like makes me sad and I was trying to think like why that is, but it's because they I don't know. I feel like too often and I don't know whether this is a result of human nature or whatever, but I feel like in a lot of these books, it's more often than not the woman who is coming up with reasons why they shouldn't be together, and very often they're really stupid reasons, in my opinion. Well, I might have to disagree with you because I think a lot of times it's the men that come up with really stupid reasons for not. Yeah, that's probably true, too. (laughs) I think what a lot of it is is they both have their issues and they both have stupid reasons. And it's like, just hook up already. She just, in this book, she was, like, holding on to a lot of grudges. And, like, for a while, some of them were pretty mysterious. And I was like, okay, this better be something good. And then when you found out, like why she was pissed at him, I'm like, "Mm, no, that's... Especially with what he was going through at the time. Yeah. I I understand being hurt by it, but for someone, it it also just seemed like against character, right? Like, she's... Well, and especially for... Because they'd been super good friends for so many years, and then he does one thing that kind of irritates her and... That's it. I'm never going to talk to him again. And he's broken my yeah. heart. And yeah. And she not was like, even a second chance or talk to him about it or. Yeah, I did like, um, you know, to her credit, I liked that she wasn't holding it against him that he wasn't as there for her because, you know, he thought that she was mad because he wasn't as there for her that her parents had her parents died. passed away and he wasn't you know, as as good of a friend as he could have been. And she was just like, no, that's not it. That's not it. That's <laughs> not why I'm mad. And then you find out it's because he made a comment that she overheard and she and was hurt by it. And I understand being hurt, but just like the seven-year grudge and how angry she was didn't seem warranted. Didn't seem to justify it. Yeah. The, um, <clears throat> especially... When you, because really what it was is some of his friends were talking and she overheard it, and then he just kind of made an off the cuff comment, and it was yeah, probably just didn't because like, he was didn't jump to her, her defense, defense, yeah. And um, but at the time his brother had just died and he was kind of in a dark out place. Of, he was in a dark place, but yeah. he was probably just not even paying attention to the conversation, and um. And she was so understanding of everything else, but this just put her over the edge. And I'm never going to speak to him again, and he's horrible. And Anyway. Yeah. I don't know. 
And so that was my main beef with her. Other than that, I really liked her. I liked, you know, I liked that she was so close to her family and, you know, was very serious about her responsibility to them and things like that. Um, The, um, I liked, they had a lot of teasing that they did that was kind of cute and, and, um, a lot of their teasing, though, because they were really, like, after they kind of admitted that they, you know, were into each other, etc., um, they got really cute and bantery, and I would have liked more of that throughout the book to, like, hint that, you know, hint at that old relationship that they had. Because there could have been a lot of banter used for her to, like, be putting him down and, and yeah, pushing him away. Yeah. And I wish that there had been more of that because you know how we feel about banter. Like, I'm... You're all about the banter. I'm all about that. So, um, yeah, I wish there had been a little bit more of that. But it was cute in the end when we got it. And I enjoyed it was that. Cute. Um, and I did like uh, everyone's family in this was really endearing you know I thought um I thought that they did she did a good job with like those familial relationships like her relationship with her brother and her sister and um his kind of uh rekindling of his relationship with his mom and sister was was cute was and the whole dealing with you know the death of his brother and stuff that was sweet yeah and um Anyway. And then the other the other main beef that I had that I talked to you about when I finished this book. Um, so they catch the cousin who is trying to murder the brother. And then he also becomes pretty, like, murderous towards her as well. Um, just because he wants to get her out of the way. He ends up kidnapping her and... Um, she escapes and has this whole, you know, runaway scenario uh, where, where she's trying to find her and she's hiding in the slums. And- yeah. And, um, and so they end up catching him and putting him on a boat to America. And then and then they end up, you know, hooking up and uh, Matthew and Patience do. Not Matthew, not Patience and her cousin. Um, <laughs> that would be wrong. And, um, and they're just planning their wedding and yeah, and they seem to be going. Everything's going well. And then um, the cousin comes back. Apparently, he like bribed people on the boat. And it turns out there's this second half cousin who is a character that you know we've seen throughout the book a couple times. And it turns out he's actually related to them and is helping this other cousin in his nefarious plots. Um, so the structure of that was really weird to me. It was kind of like a stop-start ending. Like, I felt like the events of her with the kidnapping and the escape and hiding out in the slums was way more climactic than the actual ending with the second cousin. And they should have had her kidnapped the second time instead of the first time. Is that yeah, what you're saying? Yeah, like... You know, you were saying uh, when we were talking about it that, you know, they seemed to catch the cousin too easily. So, 
You figured something else was going to happen. I only figured something else was going to happen because all of that happened 75% and I still had, you know, 25% of the book left. And so, I don't know, it just, it was just kind of weird because I felt like that was the better ending and then it's like waiting for so then the like last 25% just felt like okay is this going to be it is just them living living happily ever after like i'm fine with that but i don't feel like it is so it was just confusing and kind of strange to me but you just didn't like the way the ending was put together yeah it was it was just kind of strange structure wise to me and and i like a good kind of I don't like this every time, but I enjoy a good kind of mustache twirly villain. Um, but the having the one and then having this second one that like came out of nowhere, really. Like he was this kind of skeevy guy who had been hitting on her. And I think he would have been better left to just being that than also having this second plot where he's actually their half cousin or whatever it was yes (laughs) it would have been better if they even took one of the more likable characters and had him turn out to be someone really yeah you had mentioned you thought it was going to be his sister her sister's boyfriend boyfriend mr stanhope or whatever his name was yeah yeah Anyway. But we don't write them. We just read them. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> All this is easy for me to sit here and criticize, right? That's right. Um, okay, so here are some questions that I came up with. So, which was your favorite of the three books in the series? I liked the second one best, I think. Yeah. It was a road trip book. Yeah. But I know was. she bugged you in that one. Yeah. Um... Here's the thing. I also really love... I like the third one, too. It's the second and third were my two favorites, definitely. Yeah. I also... I mean, like, we've talked about our favorite tropes, and I love the, like, friends to lovers, um, you know. I if, if anything, I think that this book could have been improved upon if they had, like, more of a relationship. Like, they were friends, you know, when they were kids. But, um, I don't know, like, I feel like maybe if they had, like, a kind of young love thing that happened and then got stopped short. Well, maybe, um, like, a, and it could have even been with his brother's death that he pushed her away kind of thing. And Yeah, and that's how she got hurt. Um, or, I don't know, or it could have been helped if he was even more surprised by like I don't know he just seemed to like fall in love with her really easily and I couldn't tell if like she was just crazy hot now and that's like what got him um well they kept talking about that so that might have been part of it yeah yeah um but and and then he already knew that he really liked her because he'd been friends for so long yeah anyway I liked both of the last two books. I mean, the first one was good, too. It just wasn't as strong of a story as the other two. Yeah. Um, the second one was a road trip book. I love a road, good road trip book. Mm-hmm. Had all the good road trip, you know. Things. 
they have to sleep together because oh, they're on no. a road trip. Oh, oh no, no, look at us. <laughs> how, does this ha- how does this keep happening? <laughs> and then, um, but then, like you said, we love the trope where, you know, they've been friends forever and now all of a sudden they're madly in love with another one another. more. <laughs> and that's what the third one was. So yeah. I liked both the second and the third book. Yeah. Um, do you, do you think Patience was justified in her seven year grudge? I've already touched on this. I shouldn't have touched on this as much as I did because I knew that this was a question, but. Um, no. Okay. But, you know, that's kind of stuff happens. You got to get used to that kind of stuff in these books anyway, because there's all kinds of things where I think, gosh, there's no way on earth I would have reacted like that. But, you know, I'm not a. And, you know, probably some of it was, um, you know, she says that she's fine with the fact that they weren't there for them when uh, her parents passed away. But, you know, probably the falling out that they had at on uh, when she debuted into society added by the fact that she's just been, I think she's just felt lonely for the past been seven alone. years. And their family, who was always there for them before, had not been there for them at all. Yeah. So that probably... And it's hard for them to say, well, it's because of the death of my brother. Well, it's when they're dealing with the death of their parents, so... Yeah. Yeah. It's true. Um, What do you think it was about patience that attracted Matthew after their time apart? Like I said, I feel like that it wasn't super touched on... So did you get more out of that attraction than I did? Well, like I was saying, apparently she was gorgeous when she came back. Mm -hmm. I I guess there was a lot of changes between 17-year-old patients and, well, she must have been like 18 at her debut, right? And then 26 or something? I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, she was beautiful and womanly and gorgeous but then he also remembered that he really liked her because she had a she was loving and kind and all the things s- that he knew from before. They sort of touched on this, but he seemed to um he seemed to like that she kind of called him out a lot and and readily, right? He right. liked that she was a little bit more outspoken. Um I wish that they had touched on that more just so that we could get a better sense of like how much of a change that was in her and maybe that's like what took him surprise and took him by surprise and made him kind of sit up and take notice of her more um well and then the whole thing about um because they could have touched on this more too is you know she taught her brother how to fence and she was doing all these kind of more uh, not sweet little lady things, but mm-hmm. um, and when she loved the farm animals and all that kind of stuff, and yeah, um, they could have made a bigger deal of that being him thinking that that was yeah. I mean, like most authors will have a field day with you know the seeing the girl in the breeches for the first time, and right, like she barely even touched on that. Like, come on, touch on. She just went and changed real quick, and it, it's like. No, he needs to check out her rear end in that because yeah. they don't get to see rear ends very often. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so just, I think, I think like she hinted at some of that stuff at like what was, but she hit on her being 
really attractive way more than some of the other things. And I think that their relationship for us would have been aided in finding out more about, you know, things other than the fact that she was hot. I don't know. Yeah. There should be other things that attract him. Yeah. Her good looks. Yeah. Um, How do you feel about the mustache twirly type villains in this book or any book? Oh, I like them. Like you. I like them now and then. You don't want to overplay it or overread it. But um, it's kind of fun just to have someone to hate. Yeah. Just a total horrible person to hate. Well, I think I mainly like them because they give the hero the chance to like step up alpha yeah they either give the hero a chance to step up and like save the day or they give the girl a chance to be in a situation where she has to you know step up for herself and uh take care of herself which which happened in this book yeah yeah and i did like that i liked that she um you know she essentially got herself out of that situation even you know having to face some of her fears like she doesn't like water and stuff like that um so I like, I like, I think I like them the most for that reason, that they kind of right. give you good, um, good plot and character moments. Um, but yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't want to have like a over the top villain in every single book I read, but yeah, they're fun now and then. Yeah. Um, let's talk about kids in books. Um, I thought that the kids in this book were really good. I thought that she did a good job in making them not too obnoxious or whatever. So how do some do it better than others? Well, I liked her brother in this book. I liked um, I liked the other little boy that helps her in the slums, too. I liked yeah. um, those characters. And Louis. I liked the... Right. Matthews, Louis the... Matthew's nephew. nephew. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, she did do a good job. I haven't thought about that that much. Um, she did do a good job with the kids. I liked the brother, and I liked how he kind of ran away the one time because he was just tired of not being able to get out and just do things that he wanted to do. And um, Well, he felt that- accurate to, like, 11-year-old boy, right? Like, I right, mean... right. Old enough where they don't have to be having, like, super primary language or anything like that. Um, but also old enough where he's he thinks that he's ready to be out in the world and out on his own more and things like and that. And then he can take care of himself. And, yeah. You know. Yeah. I think in books I've read where the kids bug me, um, they're slightly, like, too cutesy. Which maybe other people get on board with, but I'm like, no, stop. <laughs> but I don't know. I I agree with you. Either that or they're bratty, and I'm like, why are you letting this child talk to you that way? <laughs> yeah, because mom 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 did not put up with that. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> for my own children, never. I'm sorry. What did you just say to me? <laughs> yeah we learned that pretty quick um any thoughts any other thoughts on this book um 
I feel like I feel like I've been harsh on it. I liked it. I thought it was cute. And it's um we we should mention that there was a lot of like spelling and grammar errors in this book. It wasn't as bad in the third book, so if you just read yeah, the third book, true. you might not pick up on it. But the first and second book, it was re- I would take pictures of it and send them to Ellen. And I'm like, this is going to drive you nuts. <laughs> Yeah, she did. And I was like, oh, boy, that is going to drive me nuts. <laughs> there were some pretty blatant grammar errors. And, um, yeah, that always kind of bugs us, but we're grammar Nazis, so. Yeah, um, I, yeah, I mean, you know, that doesn't bug other people as much as it seems to bug us, maybe. But um, just know that if that is a thing for you, that that happens in those books. Um, but, yeah, I thought I thought they were... And like we said, they're really short. Um, you know, if, if you look- just want a quick, light read, they're fun. They're yeah, they're sweet. They're yeah, um, entertaining. Yeah. Um. So I think those are our thoughts on "Tempting Miss Allender" by Wendy Vella. We would love to hear from you on our Facebook page, Goodreads group, our Twitter, which is at Not Your Mom's Rom, or you can email us at Not Your Mom's Romance Book Club at gmail dot com. Um, So if you want to read along with us and email us with your thoughts, or if you would like to suggest a book for us to read, we'd love to hear from you. On March 19th, we will be discussing Marriage of Inconvenience by Penny Reed. So Penny Reed will be our first author that we've talked about twice, but we've talked about her way more than twice because we talk (laughs) about her all the time. Um, So this should come as no surprise given what we've been reading this week, um, and it's the seventh-ish book in the series. There's a lot of, like, little novellas and 1.5s and things like that, Um, but it's the seventh story in the series. Um, So for now, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we'll be talking about romances, rascals, rakes, and rogues, so stay with us. Hi, everybody, and welcome to our little break segment where we... uh, Lately, we I think we just keep doing this because it's easy for us, but we like to talk about movies and TV that we think you should give a shot, um, and we try to keep it specific to ones that have a pretty good romantic subplot for you to sink your teeth into. So for this week, we're going to talk about um, a show that was canceled and taken away from us too soon. Right, Mom? Too soon. Way too soon. It's heartbreaking. Yeah, because... Uh, maybe this will deter some of you. It doesn't... I mean, it gives you a sort of ending to their romantic subplot, but not as satisfying as it could have been. Right? Yes. Yeah. So we're talking about the show Pushing Daisies. Um, This was on... Ooh, I should have looked this up. I think. No, no, no. It was on ABC, but it was on, like, in 2006... 2005, 2000, I think it was around then. Um, It's really cute. It's got kind of a convoluted plot, which I'm going to attempt to explain. Basically, um, it's a story about Ned, who is a pie maker. He discovered that he had the ability to, um, if he touches a dead person, um, it brings them back to life. If he keeps them alive longer than a minute, it kills somebody else in their place. And if he touches that person ever again after he's waking them up from the death, from dead, from the dead, um, then they will die again. So anybody he wakes up 
he can't touch them again. Um, and he found this out the hard way when he was a kid, when he touched his mom and, uh, she came back to life and then he ended up touching her again and she passed away again. And the pilot episode, he touches, he finds out that his childhood friend died and he touches her and brings her back to life. But the thing is, is they have feelings for each other and... He can't touch her. He can't touch her and it's adorable and heartbreaking. And they find really cute ways to to be physically... (laughs) intimate with each other um i don't know they ever get intimate, intimate, intimate. right but like <laughs> but they, they kiss, hold hands yeah and kiss and through kiss, saran wrap yeah <laughs> and um the like basic plot of the show is he helps this private investigator by touching the dead victims and finding out trying to find out who killed them and things like that and so it's got some little cute mysteries like this aesthetic of the show is very bright and very cute. Very cute and fun. And Lee Pace. Oh, gosh. <laughs> is adorable. I mean, I don't even know if adorable. He's it's, like well, beyond and like, adorable. People, there's people who like find him attractive based only on like Lord of the Rings or something. Oh, no. And no, I'm no, like, no. okay, you do not know Lee Pace until you've watched Pushing, Pushing Daisies because he is just... So charming and adorable, oh, and like ah shucksy in this show, that like you just have Chuck to Taylors, and he's oh my gosh, he's just always so cute. Yeah, and then he makes pies. Like, what's not to like about yeah, a man holding a, a pie? What about that? <laughs> <laughs> um, you can watch. I know you can watch this show for free on CW Seed, um, or you can you know borrow my DVDs, whatever you want to do. Um, <laughs> call us up <laughs> um but highly recommend this show it's so cute and fun and um you can join the club of thinking that it was canceled way too soon and taken from us too too early but it's very quirky yes. if you don't deal well with quirky you might not like it but i think it's pretty clear we like super quirky so yeah give the first episode a shot it's 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 fun it's like very whimsical and and cute and and the narration it's all narrated and the narration is so cute yeah it's by jim dale who um he did all the audiobooks in the u.s for harry potter so a lot of people know him from that um but check it out let us know what you think of that if you've already watched it and are already on board like share in the love with us um we'd love to hear if you watch it or not Um, so until next time with our next movie or TV review, uh, we'll talk to you later. And we're back to talk about some of those words that get thrown around in the genre a lot. I'm talking about rogues, rascals, rakes, scoundrels, your basic romance buzzwords, Um, They are such buzzwords in the genre that I have to imagine that there's some study that the publishers have showing them that sales skyrocket or something when the title includes either some indication that the hero is in some way dastardly or in some way a duke or better yet, best of all, a dastardly duke. Um, So (laughs) what... Reforming in some way. Yes. She's she's changing his life. Reforming the rake. Because you've got to have alliteration. It's great. 
Um, so what do you think, Mom, of these words and the descriptors in the genre? Well, because <laughs> I've brought this up to you many times. Yes. This series that we just read was called Regency Rakes. Yes. However, none of the guys... Okay. I looked up definitions for these words Mom because I'm came weird prepared. that way. I did. Bringing it. Um, a rake... Well, I had to go down at several <laughs> definitions. <laughs> This is not the first because definition. The first few didn't work. <laughs> a rake is a fashionable or wealthy man of dissolute or promiscuous habits. Mm. However, none of the guys, promiscuous makes me think, oh, he sleeps around. He's, yeah. none of these guys, even for back in that time, when that was pretty common for the guys to kind of sow their wild oats before they settled down with somebody, none of these guys really seemed that way. Um. Especially Matthew was very kind of wound Stayed, a little tight. Yeah. Yeah. And none of them I would consider calling them a rake. Yeah. Simon from the second book probably comes the closest, but. Probably. But only because he's got kind of that. Charming. Not because he slept around a lot. No. But just because he's. he Devil um, may care kind of. Yeah. Kind of teasing lightheartedness. Yeah. Yeah, but even that doesn't really fall in. Um, And we've definitely read books that are about what I would determine actual rakes, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Some of them, I can't remember the one, but the one where he had, like, prostitutes there and she was coming in the room and he's got all these prostitutes around. And I'm like, okay, that would turn me off. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, some of the guys are really scoundrels and rakes and... and, um, and they do reform, you know, but usually there's some deep, dark past that's made them turn to yes. this kind of behavior. Yes, of course. To salve their wounded souls. <laughs> and, um, but this, these especially is like, I don't know that I'd call this guy a rake. Yeah. And do you know what I mean, though? I feel like there has to be, because I think we've talked about before, I was talking to um, some Dukes. authors. Yeah, with some authors where they were saying that, like, they've they've been proven that if, like, publishers have studies that show that if a title has a duke or a lord or an earl or a viscount or whatever, it will sell better than other books. And so part of me is, like, is that the same with, with these, with, like, rake and rogue and, rogue. you know, scoundrel? Some and- of them, I'm like... Okay, I would go with Rogue on or Rake on this guy. I mean, he seems a little yeah. Um, question his past seems a little questionable, but then a lot of times it's just thrown around. And because I've said this to you before, it's like I don't know that I'd call this guy exactly a Rogue or a Rake or whatever the title. Yeah, the title is because um, what's the? I never remember the books. Is it the Rogue Not Taken? What's the road trip book? Yeah, the Rogue Not Taken. Before. And um. And he was kind of a rogue. Yeah. Because, like, when she first met him, he was in some other lady's bedroom and yeah. he was climbing out the window. <laughs> yeah. That's when she climbed in his carriage. In his carriage. And um, so that kind of stuff, that I get. Yeah. Um, But these guys, these were all pretty, I mean, I don't think they were virgins, but they didn't sleep around with a bunch of different women or anything. Yeah. So I don't know that I would use the word rake. A rogue is a dishonest or unprincipled man. And that's a little different than a rake. So, you know, a rogue is just someone who you can't trust necessarily. Yeah. But, and then scoundrel, I think we know that one 
scoundrel is dishonest or scrupulous person. And then it says rogue. <laughs> Quote unquote rogue. <laughs> but yeah. um, I just feel like these words are thrown around a lot and they're not exactly descriptors because this isn't the first time that I've pointed this out to you. That these aren't exactly really good descriptors of what who the men are in these books. Well, and I think maybe, like, in the genre, people just want to use them. You know, like, you're writing a romance book, and it's like, well, obviously I've got to, like, use the word rogue or raker, especially if it's historical, right? I don't feel like these get used as much in... Well, and like you said, everybody loves a reformed rake, and so I think they always want to make these guys seem like... You know, their lives have changed and become so much better because these women have just completely altered their old ways of thinking. Because always, when they wind up with a girl, there's no way they're ever going to cheat on them, ever. No. They'll never go astray. Never. Even though they've slept with hundreds of women before. (laughs) Yeah, but, Mom, they're always... You can totally trust that. (laughs) But they're always looking, you know, they always, even when they're behaving that way... They're always looking to, you know, they're starting to get tired of that life, Mom. (laughs) Oh. Yeah. (laughs) They're tiring of that old sleep with anybody (laughs) nonchalance kind of lifestyle. And now they want to settle down with the perfect woman. Yeah. They just haven't found her yet. But then, oh, who's this? Wait, here she is. This woman? She's been under my nose this whole time. Yeah. Oh, she's been on the side, the periphery of the ballroom this entire time? She's a wallflower? <laughs> what? <laughs> she's a 28-year-old spinster? <laughs> huh? Virgin? <laughs> what? Yeah, I'm she's, all over that. She's a spinster who likes to, like, voice her opinions to me? What? what? That is just not my usual type. <laughs> but wait a minute. I like this better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that sounds we've read way too many of these books <laughs> that sounds like a book i want to read mom in fact i think i have read it a, a few times more than once <laughs> but um yeah i just felt like these words are not necessarily conducive to the stories that are being told yeah i feel like it's more of a. Uh, I feel like a lot of times it's more, and this could be because in her defense, they weren't ever called rakes or anything like that in the actual text of the book, right? No. So I think maybe some of this is like a marketing thing, like I've touched on. Um, and Well, unless they're talking about gardening tools. I don't think rake is the proper word to use in the name of this series because none well, of these why guys would, were Why would rakes. it be okay if it was if it was about gardening tools? I didn't say it would be okay. <laughs> you said unless they're talking well, about. Okay. It's actually more apropos because That's true. Wasn't, Simon, the was... Second, Simon was a gardener. He liked That's true. doing plants. I don't want to say doing plants. He liked... <laughs> Hmm. I was going to say there's got to be a word for that (laughs) he liked planting things and growing things and working in the garden I'm still stuck on doing plants how would that even work I don't it would depend on the plant (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh gosh. Um, Seems like diseases could. But do you know what I mean? I think maybe like some of it is like a title that's a publisher has picked somewhere or. um, Probably not even the author. The author probably didn't even come up with the title of the series. Yeah. Maybe she did. I don't know. Uh, Who knows? But. I don't know how it all works, Ellen. Yeah. I don't either. I know some, but not all. Um, All right. Is, Is that all we need to say on that subject? That's all I have to say on that. Mom subject. just wants people to use their rakes properly. Yeah, both in gardening. Don't call people rakes that aren't rakes. It seems rude to me. Yeah, that's true. It is. This should have just been um, the Regency guys. <laughs> I don't know if you heard that, but she laughed way too hard at that. <laughs> Regency. The re- dude. <laughs> The Regency okay, guys. The Regency boys. <laughs> the Regency lords. I mean, you, there's, you could use another word besides. Yeah. The Regency buddies. <laughs> Makes them sound like crime fighters. <laughs> it does. The Regency boys sounds like a gang that's going to like hold up a 1940s bank or something. <laughs> tell All them, right, you guys. Tell them the Regency boys sent you. <laughs> All right. We digress. <laughs> we definitely digress. Okay. So thanks for joining us. Again, if you would like to join us for Marriage of Inconvenience by Penny Reed and our general Penny Reed Love Fest in two weeks on March 19th, you can subscribe on iTunes or Google Play, or you can find us on Twitter at NotYourMomsRom or on Facebook or Goodreads or email us at NotYourMomsRomanceBookClub at gmail.com. All right. Thanks, Mom. Thanks, Ellen. Bye.